Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Thanks for making Illinois Family Spotlight part of your day. I'm Monty Larrick. Well, it's easy to be discouraged by Illinois' new extreme abortion law. It expands access to abortion, makes abortion a fundamental right. It denies independent rights to unborn babies, and it forces health insurance plans to cover abortions. But in the face of all this, there is 40 Days for Life. The prayer campaign to end abortion begins September 25th. Sue Thayer is with 40 Days for Life, and like many other people who value life, she'll take time to pray outside an abortion facility. Sue, now more than ever, Illinois needs 40 Days for Life. Illinois needs prayer. I think there's eight or nine or maybe ten states now that actually have these crazy new extremely liberal laws on the books. But the good part, of course, is that there's a lot of folks in America that are marginally pro-life. They believe in the right to life, but haven't actually taken a stand or come out and been active. They haven't spoken up. And I think what these laws have done is really motivate people, mobilize people to get them active, you know, maybe put a sign in their yard, maybe come out and pray for a 40 Days for Life campaign, um, talk to their neighbors about it, get on social media and see what's going on, um, write a letter to the editor, speak up and get out and vote. You know, we've got big elections coming up. It's one big way that we can make our, our beliefs known. Well, here in Illinois, do you think that the extreme abortion law will generate more people to participate in 40 days for life. Absolutely. You know, we saw in uh, Virginia and New York when the governors there came out and talked about, you know, a, a live full-term baby, keeping it comfortable while they talk with the mother about what to do with the baby. Um, in other words, whether they should let it live or not, um, people hear that and get motivated. And that has shown up in 40 Days for Life because we have many more people um, signing up. We have more campaigns than we've ever had before. This fall is going to be the biggest campaign ever. So good comes out of that. God can use those dark and evil intents for for good. Part of 40 Days for Life, people pray outside an abortion facility, praying that that facility would close down, that abortion does end. But the participants pray for the women who are coming in there and even for the workers who are engaged in abortion. Were there Christians praying for you during your nearly two decades of work at Planned Parenthood? There were Christians um, on the sidewalk praying and I knew there was a couple of churches in town that were praying. Um, We would have an event at the Planned Parenthood that I managed, uh, one that uh, was very um, well attended in our community was called the chocolate extravaganza and we would have all this homemade chocolate and um, one church in particular would be out there praying and um, witnessing on behalf of life and of course as God would direct me that's the church I go to now and uh, those are folks that are very pro-life they're not afraid to stand up for life when I went there the first time I was terrified to go because I thought they know where I work I was still working at Planned Parenthood 
Um, but they were kind to me and showed me, you know, the love of Christ. And I'm still there today. So I'm very thankful to be in a, a church family where, you know, they didn't like abortion, but they weren't unkind to me because I was working there. So, I'm, I mean, they were modeling the love of Jesus. They knew you had a soul and they knew you needed Jesus. Correct, and you know, if if I hadn't found that church family along with Christian radio in my community, I don't know um, where I would be today, but those two things really helped set my feet on a firm foundation, and I got a hunger for God that I'd never really had before, and I was in the scriptures a lot more, and it was just a process of coming out of there, but what a blessing to be able to know that you can come out of a dark place like that, and God will put your feet on a firm foundation, and use your poor choices. I mean, I did lots of horrible stuff, but he can use what we've done in our past, the bad decisions we've made for good. You sleep better now? Oh, I sleep, yes, like a rock. And I'm very thankful for every door that God has opened. You know, it, it's an honor for me to be able to represent him and the, and the miracles that he's done in my life and in our little town in Storm Lake. And, you know, we saw the abortion facility close and we have a wonderful pro-life pregnancy center there now. And all the churches have come together. And so it really is um, a miracle of God's doing. Well, 40 Days for Life not only encourages prayer to end abortion, but activism. What activities do you recommend? Well, the, the basic foundation of 40 Days for Life is prayer and fasting. Um, so we encourage our participants to fast from something in their life that can be between them and God. Some people will, will do a modified fast um, from food. Some people will fast from social media or other things. But, you know, the, the goal is to, to select something in your life that may be too important to you, whether it's dessert or food or whatever, and use that time that you would have spent on that um, to focus on the Lord and your presence down at, you know, your, your area abortion facility. So prayer and fasting is really the basic tenets of it. We're looking into an initiative where 365 days of, of the year we would have people praying in certain locations. There's many um, 40 Days for Life campaigns that want to go to the next level. And 80 days a year is great, but can we do it more? Can we do it all the days that the abortion facility is open? And this obviously won't be for every place, but that's going to be a huge boost to the pro-life movement there. I know from being inside Planned Parenthood that when day 40 came and all the pro-life people praying outside went home, it was a relief to the workers because they're like, oh, they're finally going to be gone. And then if they come back on day 41, it's like, oh, no, they're back again. How long are they going to be here? So having people outside praying on the sidewalk really brings chaos and confusion inside. The no-show rate spikes, you know, very high. People, women don't like to drive past them. Um, it's bad for their business. It's bad for business, and managers have a bottom line. They have a goal, a number of abortions that they need to bring in, and if you know, people are outside praying. Oftentimes you don't hit your goal. Then you end up having a corrective action plan. So having people outside praying is very bad for a Planned Parenthood manager. Corrective action plan, what's that? A corrective action plan is what a manager at Planned Parenthood has to do if they fail to hit their goal. So if you have a goal for your number of abortions and you're 10% under that, your line is red. 
And then if you're 5% under, it's yellow if you hit your goal, it's green. So if you have yellow or red on any of your, your spreadsheet lines, you're in trouble and you need a corrective action plan on how you're going to change things so that next month you hit your goal. It's their business plan. It's all based on the bottom line. If they don't make their goal, if an individual center doesn't make its goal, they could have their hours cut. They become what's called a mission clinic. And mission clinics, when they're looking at cutting budgets, are typically the first to close. How did you start at Planned Parenthood? Did you think you were doing a good thing? <laughs> I did. You know, I thought working there was a, a, a noble thing, really. Um, in, in Storm Lake, where I worked, they didn't do abortions. It was family planning only. And I felt like it was um, an alternative to the regular doctor clinic. And so it felt good starting there. And Planned Parenthood has a very unique way of kind of indoctrinating their staff. They would have um, clergy write letters and say, bless this place and the sacred work that they do here. And um, to help my staff feel better, I would frame that and put it up on the board so that, you know, when we were doing these things. Well, these women really need these abortions. We're helping. We're doing a good thing. So it's kind of a mindset that you get into and it's very difficult to get out of it. So they indoctrinate the workers. Yes, the workers are are kind of uh, indoctrinated in. They, they have trainings that help you feel like what you're doing there is great work. For the years that I was there, I saw them do trainings with new employees. I, I participated in that and it was just a way of getting them ready to actually be in the room during an abortion and be able to think, you know, yep, this is pretty bad, but, you know, I'm really helping here. And that's how they get you, well, it's, a, it's the process of hardening your heart um, to the reality that results in a dead baby in a bowl, basically. This is Illinois Family Spotlight. We will continue our conversation with Sue Thayer from 40 Days for Life after this. Hello, I'm David Smith, the Executive Director of Illinois Family Institute, a state-based Christian pro-life and pro-family public policy organization. I want to invite you to join us as we seek to be salt and light to a dark and rapidly decaying culture. You can do that in a number of ways. For example, you can join our email list to get timely alerts and great cultural commentaries. You can like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, listen to our podcasts, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can attend one or more of the special events and forums we host in different parts of the state. We do all these things to encourage and equip Christians in Illinois. You see, we need you to help us fulfill our mission to boldly bring a biblical perspective to public policy. Our faith requires us to be bold, speak truthfully, and love our neighbors. Join us. Visit IllinoisFamily.org to learn more. Again, that is IllinoisFamily.org. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. 
When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It, it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of over 200,000 members who are sharing over $23 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Thanks for joining Illinois Family Spotlight. Monty Larrick here. I'm joined by Sue Thayer with 40 Days for Life, former Planned Parenthood manager out in Iowa. And uh, we're talking at Christ Community Church in Aurora. Planned Parenthood has a uh, thriving abortion business at a mega facility here in Aurora. Sue, what do you say to folks who would say, well, what good will prayer do? They've got a big business there in Aurora and other abortion centers here in Illinois. Does it really do any good? Prayer is the foundation of all goodness. I know in Iowa, we were up to 29 Planned Parenthood abortion facilities, and prayer um, happened outside of every single one of those. We're now down to eight, so we've seen 21 in Iowa close. I mean, many states around the nation are down to one or two, and I mean, there's legislation that helps, but prayer is really the foundation and the grassroots movement of people getting out there and taking a stand and I mean I remember people in Storm Lake being afraid to put a sign in their yard or they didn't want to sign their name on a letter to the editor because they were too afraid of what people might think and I mean God's people have to get out of the boat so to speak and take a stand and speak up and not be intimidated um, into remaining quiet but you know scripture tells us that God's word never returns void so when we're out there on the sidewalk praying and speaking the word um, he uses that. We may not see the results that minute. And I've had people come up to me and say, I've been praying outside of my local abortion facility for 20 years or 30 years. And am I doing any good? Am I, I don't see, you know, it's not closing. How did you get them to close in Iowa? And I don't have an answer to that. Um, I don't know why some close and others don't. But um, I saw with my own eyes of the abortion facility that I worked at um, close. And when I was still there in 2008, I signed a 15-year lease. So it was a it was a binding contract, and it was a lot of money per month. And I remember signing it, thinking, you know, this is job security. I know I'm going to be here for another 15 years. And when we prayed for 40 days, boom, it closed. And there's no other explanation for that because they would have had to have bought out that lease. And I mean, when God's people pray, he listens. Wow. Now, you worked for Planned Parenthood for 18 years. 18 years. You were in a small town in Iowa. Storm Lake. Storm Lake, Iowa. Storm Lake, Iowa. And they started doing webcam abortions. Now, to me, this sounds like a good way for Planned Parenthood to save money. But there are a lot of drawbacks to this, too, right? And it was the last straw for you. Correct. Um, if you've heard of RU486, it, it's, they called it the French abortion pill. And in the 90s, um, Planned Parenthood of Greater Iowa, where I worked, did uh, the clinical trials for that. 
So we were very familiar with RU486, the chemical or medication abortion, and we saw the process, how it works, and what the complications were, and so forth. So when it was released by the FDA, Planned Parenthood in Iowa started doing those right away. So we weren't surprised by that, but the added challenge to them was that, you know, we had 17 centers at that time all across Iowa with no doctor on staff and no nurse practitioner. So the doctor would be in Des Moines. She'd be at her computer terminal, and whenever a woman came into any of the 17 outlying centers, non-medical staff like myself or the staff that I supervise, clinic assistants, would see that client and do a transvaginal ultrasound to determine the length of gestation. And that image was scanned to the doctor in Des Moines. If she determined it was 70 days along or less, she could push a button on her computer screen that opened this remote drawer um, at the rural center. And then she'd watch via Skype as the woman took the first set of pills, Mifeprex, and that would block the hormones to the baby. And then we'd send the next set of pills home, and the next day she would take those at home, and that started the contractions. And of course, they didn't really want women going into ER saying, you know, I've had this done, so they had, I'm having an abortion and I'm having heavy bleeding. So they would tell the women, you know, it's really no different than a miscarriage at this point. You may get substandard care if you tell them you're in an abortion, uh, so just don't mention that. So there were several things along there that were bad. You know, Iowa winters were part of the problem. The doctor would travel and then the weather would be bad and nobody would show up, or the pro-life people on the sidewalk outside would call and pad the schedule. They'd fill in, you know, made up names to fill all the slots and then when the doctor would get there, there's nobody showing up or people were outside praying and no one would come. So this was a way to, to kind of get around that. Our CEO was watching like a crime scene show, like a CSI type show where they were doing telemedicine or, or, you know, telecommunication. She thought, why couldn't we do that with abortions? And so that's really how it was born, how it was started. And of course, there's a big startup cost because you've got to have the ultrasound machines, the fiber optics, the computers, all the stuff that goes with it. Illinois' new abortion law attacks parental notice, but we're expecting a direct challenge to parental notice here in Illinois. And I could see where they could use webcams in a public school and the school nurse could hand out abortion-inducing drugs. Am I off target? No, I think that's the goal. Uh, really, they want abortion to be as accessible as aspirin. They want um, vending machines with uh, the abortion-inducing drugs. The Plan B was something that we at one time used for 48 hours to try to prevent a pregnancy, and then it went to five days, and then they came up with the RU486. So, you know, sin is a slippery slope. And, of course, when they get one little bit um, legislated or approved, they'll take the next step. So, of course, that would be their goal. You know, you spoke about parental notification or consent. In Iowa, we had parental notification, so we would try to send the letter. The abortion facility where she was scheduled would send the letter at the last possible moment. And it wasn't consent. She didn't have to get consent from a parent at that time. It was just notification, so we had to mail the letter. But any of those little restrictions that happen in a state, 
save lives, you know, in states where they've said that a doctor in an abortion facility has to have admitting privileges at a hospital, that's huge because hospitals typically won't allow doctors on staff. Um, a 24-hour waiting period is huge because we used to have women come in, they'd have a pregnancy test, find out that you know it was positive, and then in that same visit in Iowa, staff would say, we can take care of the problem for you today, 45 minutes in and out. All you have to do is take these pills. And so without any thought, really, they would take the first set of pills that kill the baby, and then we would see them come back the next day and say, I can't believe I did that. I wasn't thinking, is there anything I can do? And of course, at that time, there really wasn't. Now there's the abortion uh, pill reversal, which is greatly successful, but it's better to not take them at all. And if states have a waiting period for women seeking an abortion, a lot of those women come to their senses and don't do it before they go through with it. Well, beyond 40 days for life, and I don't want to underestimate the value of prayer, but we're up against it here in Illinois. And what you said about webcam abortions and in the public schools, for instance, what do we need to be doing? What steps could we take? What could we do in a blue state like Illinois? Well, blue or red, you know, God's people need to, to stand up and speak up and, and say enough is enough. We've got 61 million uh, deaths on our hands, and um, there's many ways to go up against the evil that is abortion, but certainly front and foremost is prayer on the sidewalk, you know, in front of an abortion facility, but, you know, voting, voting in the elections, getting out, supporting pro-life candidates. I'm a single-issue voter if a candidate is pro-life. I'm for them. I may not agree with everything they do or their rhetoric or their policy on anything else, but if they're pro-life and they support babies, I'm all in. And, you know, in Iowa, we ha I had a little spat with a guy running for state legislature. He said, well, I, you know, I'm, I support a woman's right to choose. That's between her and her doctor. And I said, I can't vote for you. And he goes, that's it? You don't want to know anything else about me? And I said, if I can't trust you with a baby, I can't trust you with a dollar. And he thought that was really dumb. But if we don't love our unborn babies enough, how can we trust that they're going to make good decisions in anything else. They don't value life. I question their values. Correct. If they don't value life, yeah, I don't, I don't think they should be in office. But, you know, we see so many crazy things happening in the world. But certainly, you know, prayer is one and, and voting is one. But, you know, doing the little things like wearing a pro-life T-shirt and um, having that difficult conversation with somebody that comes running up to you and says, my body, my choice. You know, who are you to tell me what to do with my body? And I love those times. Um, my kids are always embarrassed when it happens if they're with me because they're like, Mom! But, you know, it's a great opportunity to plant a seed. And I just know from having probably the hardest heart in the world that it takes 10,000 times of great, kind people coming up and saying, let's look at this together. Did you know a baby has a heartbeat by day 20? And a lot of times, just when I say that, they'll be like, day 20? Are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And then, of course, I'll pull out my, my little babies, which sounds kind of crazy, but sometimes people are like, that's creepy. And I'm like, that's how you started. You, you, have, know? you have a little kit I have with a little, kit little that I, miniature plastic baby. Yeah, I usually I usually take that with me. And um, sometimes people are really creeped out by it, but those are people that have the hard heart 
syndrome and don't want to see that. But it's like, that's how we all started. And what a miracle that is. And, you know, they'll say, well, I don't believe in God and there is no God. And I'll say, well, okay, then let's just talk about science. When do you think life begins? And sometimes they'll say, well, when a baby's born or, and then can you get them to move back just a little bit? Well, do you think it's alive when it's 20 weeks and when it can feel pain? Is that alive? You know, well, maybe. So if you can get them thinking, that's a great way to to have them take a step towards life and away from the culture of death. Well, one way to take yourself away from the culture of death to life is to get involved in the 40 Days for Life campaign. That prayer on the sidewalk is so powerful, but um, I have to say there's probably no one that's been more terrified to go the first time um, than me. A little and creepy, a little awkward? It, it, you know, it was very awkward, and, and I begged God, literally, if I could just stay in my car and not have to get outside, because I thought, well, you know, people are going to see me, and they're, they're going to be like, why is she outside when she used to be inside, and all the stuff in my small Iowa town, but that breaking down the walls of my own personal fear um, and getting out there was just so good, and... I kind of committed in my heart those 40 days, and I just decided that I was going to do whatever it took, really. And um, whether you do that or you just go out for 30 minutes the first time, taking that first step is just huge. And being out there, and you know, I challenge people to go and try it, and you'll be blessed because it's impossible to spend 30 minutes or 60 minutes or four hours with God and not come away. Um, rejuvenated and renewed and um, my Bible with me and I take one or two of my kids and it's just a time to read the scriptures aloud and in a tiny little way when ours closed in Storm Lake I was like oh we're not going to be praying on the sidewalk anymore but God took that relationship that had been built there through 40 Days for Life and kind of put it into a pro-life pregnancy center so now the same people that were on the sidewalk praying are doing that but I would just encourage people to find out where your nearest one is and get out there and try it. You know, you may save a life and not even know it because women, you know, will get there for their appointment and they'll see somebody praying and they're like, oh no, there's somebody here praying. I can't go in and they will drive on. So you may not know that you made a difference, but you might meet someone in heaven that's there simply because you were, took the time to be on the sidewalk. I would say this, if, if Sue Thayer can go out and do this, <laughs> You can, too. I can, too. All right. Thank you so much, Sue. You have your own ministry, and tell us about that, and how can people connect? Well, I'm now the um, director of outreach for 40 Days for Life. I used to um, speak a little bit here and there, um, but people would always say, do you work for 40 Days for Life? Because you sure seem to like them. And I would laugh and say, well, I'm their biggest fan. I don't work for them, but it's a great ministry, and I know it works because prayer works. And I saw the Planned Parenthood that I worked at close, and so I know it works. And then last year in 2018, Sean Carney, the head of 40 Days for Life, called and said, would you like to work for 40 days and I was like well that would be really awesome and so now I'm officially with 40 days for life and I get to travel and speak and um, just tell the story of what God has done and my I think my favorite thing really is to be an encouragement to the people that are are on the sidewalk to be a cheerleader to those that are out there is such a great blessing for me because we all need to know that you know what we're doing does make a difference and you know we live in the northern part of the country where I mean, I've been out there in the snow and the 
sleet and the rain and I think that's even a bigger blessing to those driving by because if they see us out there it's like maybe I need to rethink my thoughts on abortion because if that person cares enough to be out there it's probably worth at least pondering where do I stand on this issue and maybe I need to you know talk to somebody about it. Thank you Sue. Thank well you. young, old, even if you're a former Planned Parenthood manager you need to be involved in 40 Days for Life. Just go to 40daysforlife.com, find a location near you, and get out there and participate and pray. Bring some friends along, and uh, you'll be blessed by doing that. A reminder about our big Faith, Family, and Freedom Banquet with the Reverend Franklin Graham as our keynote speaker. If you'd like tickets, call 708-781-9328 or go online at illinoisfamily.org. You can get tickets for the banquet with the Reverend Franklin Graham. Thanks for tuning in. Please tell a friend about Illinois Family Spotlight. And until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.